This week's episode of the Road Trip Playlist podcast is one of my favorites that I've done so far. I had a really fun interview with James Gillespie, whose debut album quickly amassed over 65 million streams, which is a seriously impressive rise. Currently, James is getting ready to release his second album. He recently released a new single, Rescue Me, to preview the record. I've been really excited to talk to James. In our interview, we talk about him leaving school at the age of 15 to travel full-time and all the places that that took him. He tells an incredible and true story about the tricky way that he got into the music industry. We also talk about when he covered Pink's song and a week later got to perform it with her on stage of her European tour. We also talk about his upcoming music and so much more on this week's episode of the Road Trip Playlist podcast. Quick disclaimer, the interview starts out a little bit awkwardly. Me and James got to chatting at the beginning of the call and I forgot to hit record. Luckily, I noticed after my first question and the interview starts with what's on James's road trip playlist. Enjoy this interview with James Gillespie after a quick word from our sponsor. <laughs> Dang it. You just gave a great answer. I paused the recording while you were getting in there. And, and no, I missed your road trip plays. Can you share it one more time or maybe a different place? I absolutely can. I absolutely can. All right, here we go. But like I say, this is kind of weird. So, you know, all right, we got Black Bear, Frank Ocean, Action Bronson, Alan Raymond, uh, Citizen Cope, um, Alt-J, Left Boy, J.P. Sachs, Reese Lewis, Matt Mason, uh, Mansions, Jack Pignate, uh, Rich 32 Dave, Denzel Curry, and then John Mayer, a bunch of more Citizen Cope stuff, a bunch more Action Bronson. We've got Nirvana in there too. Nirvana's going to be on that list. Uh, Jesse Reyes. We've got Daniel Caesar. Uh, Stormzy, of course, because, you know, London. Uh, uh, we've even got a little bit of We've got It's a big mix. It's a big mix. It, it, it is a great playlist. And and yeah, I was really excited as you listed it off because we have a lot of the same same people. And you said John Mayer, of course. I have to ask, is John Mayer one of your favorites? You know what he used to be? Yeah, for a while, like John Mayer was my like go-to yeah. thing for songwriting. And I think it was before I moved to London, especially. I was kind of like, I was living on little island in the sun in the canaries and uh and john mayer's stuff was was perfect for that time in my life because yeah. it was super singer songwritery but I also i was kind of it was the first time that i was really playing electric i used to only play acoustic so john mayer for me was acoustic and then i started listening to the you know the john mayer trios and the sort of the bluesier yeah. stuff and i started realizing that like the pop stuff and the acoustic stuff is really well written and it's really well done but when you start getting into it and you see his love, listening to the way that he is, that's what really started making me want to jump onto the electric more and spend more time, yeah. you know, slow dancing in a burning room, you know, songs yeah. like that on the electric, like, <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. No, that's amazing. I think, I think we're getting, it's like lagging just a bit. Um, so we missed a little bit of the Batman answer, but anytime I hear John Mayer, that was like, he's my go-to still. I had a friend in high school. He would play it every day on the way to school. He would play John Mayer. And I was very into hip hop at that time. And I hated it. I hated John Mayer. <laughs> I would be mad at him for playing it. And so then I ended up, I was in Chicago and had a, and he was in town and I was like, okay, I'm just going to, I might as well see his show. I want to go to a, to a concert while I'm here. And the electric stuff is what blew me away. 
And so I've loved yeah. him ever since. And I ended up following him around on that tour and saw him in like six different cities. So whenever I hear John Mayer, I like stop and pause the interview and ask about that. Do you have a favorite John Mayer song? I think it's got to be, uh, you know, it's either Slow Dancing in a Burning Room or it's a song called, um, do you know, Burn Up in Your Atmosphere? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like the way that he did that, I and mean, then he goes into this a little bit after he goes, whatever you want, whatever you say, it's closer to my heart and my relationship with you. Whatever you go, whatever you've done. And, I'm just like, and he's like, I watch you up loud and pictures from afar. And it's all like done like, he doesn't even release that stuff, you know, that's just live. And yeah. Like, I'm like, yeah. That's, yeah, I think it's Nokia Theater or something like that. But no. Yeah. Anything like that. Burn, burn up in your atmosphere. Um, oh, what's that one as well? Um, I don't want to go to LA anymore. Yes, yes. Wow. Playing play that on the acoustic, man, is a dream for me. It's that like, that's my thing right there. I love it. I love it so much. Um, thank you for that. Thank you for letting me self-indulge on, on John Mayer questions. Um, so I, I told you a little bit about where the road trip playlist started, and it came from my love of traveling. You talked about your time in the Canary Islands, and so I read about your, your traveling, and you started traveling um, from the age of like 15 and you left Scotland and traveled um, for a good amount of time. What, what were those years for you like? Where did you go? What was your favorite place? No, man, I went everywhere. I went, um, well, not everywhere, but I certainly did like, I lived in France, I lived in Spain, I lived in Germany, I went to the Caribbean for a while. I wouldn't say I lived there because it was only like six months or whatever, but I did Caribbean, um, I did Ireland, I did everywhere. And um, and it was good, it was, you know, it's like anything, it's ups and downs, you know, it's, that's the yeah. whole, that's what happens when you travel and when you, especially when you're young, you have these amazing ups where you think that things couldn't get any better. And then you have these really, really bad lows where you're like, I probably shouldn't be here and I shouldn't be doing this and I should be back, you know. A lot of my friends were still in school and the ones who had already finished school were at university and they were just doing things kind of on the path. And I yeah. was just uh, out, you know, like I say, either living it amazingly well up here or I was like down here with absolutely nothing and no money and it was terrible. And wow. getting into all kinds of trouble. Um, the favorite place uh, from when I was younger would be, uh, you know, I think it would be the Canary Islands. I think that's where I ended up. Like, it was perfect because it was the first time that I was sort of taken seriously as a musician, took myself seriously, I should say as well, because up until that point, I just kind of done it as a bit of a blag. Like I just wanted to play, I just wanted to play cover songs and like just make enough money to get me from here to there and to survive and to pay for my booze every night and you know, to enjoy myself. And then when I was in the Canary Islands, I got kind of a serious offer to play in this bar six nights a week. And, uh, and it was, you know, the bar was silent when you played, so you couldn't get away with just being drunk and smashing out, a, you know, an Irish drinking song and like a Scottish, you know, song like that. You had to kind of take more care of what you were doing and what you were saying because everybody wow. was so, so like intense. And also it was streamed live every night as well. So like wow. you really wanted to be, and I did three hours a night. Like I did three hours a night every night, six days a week for three years, man. I was, you know, it was full on. But I really, it really made me realize as well how important expression is, how important when you sing one note, that can, that can take somebody from sitting in their chair 
to wherever you were. You know, it, it's it's that powerful. And it taught me how to stay relaxed on stage. You know, I've broken two strings, three strings, when I've hit one chord and I've just carried on singing a cappella while I've strung up a guitar. You know, all that kind of stuff is is where I think I think a lot of musicians who don't have that experience really sucks pretty hard for them later on because they get on a stage. And when something goes wrong, like when the guitar strap breaks or when the mic doesn't work anymore, they panic and they freeze up because they've not gone through like year after year of things going wrong. You know, when I was busking for years, that you know, I had someone smashed the guitar across my back. Someone took my guitar off me in a fight and smashed it over my back. I've been spat on. I've been, uh, I've had all my stuff stolen while I was busking before. I've been kicked in the face during a song once by someone who was drunk. Like once you've gone through all of that, you then go to these like lovely little venues that have got like 300 people and you've got a backstage area and it's not freezing cold. You're not playing for 20 pence an hour. And like, you suddenly realize like, I can like, this is kind of easy. This is fun now. You know, yeah. you're not in that weird place where you're like, every night you're like, shit, what's going to happen next? And who's going to be here? And yeah. it's not snowing outside that I'm wearing fingerless gloves on one hand to try and like, do you know what I mean? It's, it, it makes all that other stuff so much easier and, and you can enjoy it so much more. I love playing now, you know? That's amazing. That's incredible. And, and so, so you were, you were very young and um, that was powerful. I want to say hearing that experience is very powerful, but you were very young when you started traveling, um, like 15 or 16, I read. Did that include, yeah. did you leave school and travel? And, and what inspired us the decision like that for you? I mean, it, I mean, like with every good story, it was a girl, you know, it was a girl that I met who was just like, she was much older than me and was just like, come on, let's go off to Spain. And I was just like, yeah, of course, obviously. Like with almost every every decision that a man makes, it's, you know, it's always because there's always a woman behind all these amazing decisions. Um, but yeah, you know, I was really young and I think school for me, I mean, it was kind of done, you know, I always consider myself to be really lucky in that, in that respect because I knew it like from such a young age so I feel really sorry for like friends of mine and people that I know who are like 25 and they still don't really know what it is that they want to do and how they want to doesn't matter how much money they've got or how good their education was not knowing what you want to do is scary you know I've, I've seen people I've seen my friends get worked up about that and twist themselves for years over not knowing what they want to do with their lives and so I was super lucky from the age of like probably 13, 14, I was like, that's me. Like, I'm, I know. I'm a, wow. I've never, ever, I've questioned it once in my life, but that's it. You know what I mean? Like the rest of the time I knew. And so school to me just seemed like it was kind of pointless. I was like, I don't need to like, I don't want to go, I don't want to go to business school. I don't want to learn about maths. I don't want to do any of this stuff. I liked English because I got to write poems and I got to express myself a little bit more. And, you know, I liked music, but I was in like a school band, you know, so that yeah. was the only thing that, I, yeah, that was it, you know? Wow, that that's fascinating. And so, so you were so young. How were you making it work so young? Was it, was it through busking? I started, you know, man, I've had so many dodgy jobs that I couldn't even tell you about now. <laughs> um, but I, uh, what did I, I first did something which I can't mention uh, over in the, uh, over in the Canary Islands. Then I was a DJ for a little bit. I DJed. Uh, and then I started to do music and I started to bust, but I was also a doorman. I was a security wow. for a nightclub. In wow. Yeah, when I went back to Edinburgh, one of my best friends, he had this, uh, he had this security company called Happiness and Sunshine Security. <laughs> and um, 
And we used to we used to work on the doors in the nightclubs there, which was like it was it was pretty hardcore at times. It was like you know I think at one point we had to wear stab vests when we were doing it on Friday and Saturday nights. And I had like I had like a shaved head, and I was I was like the smallest of all those boys, but I'm still yeah. not a small guy. And mate, you should have seen me in places in Edinburgh. I was doing the acoustic evenings at seven till eight. And then I was putting, then I was putting my black shirt on a stab vest and going up on the door and like stopping people from getting in. And like, it was like the, I was singing, like going from love songs to like working on the door as like an angry doorman. Like, it's hilarious. That's amazing. Uh, sunshine and happiness security. I love that. And, and how, how did these experiences busking and all around the world, how did, how have those contributed to um, your art and songwriting? I think that for me, it's been paramount because it's like, it's, you know, I, I, I don't know how to write about things that, that I haven't been through. And that's not, that's not that I'm saying people who do that are in any way worse than me. If anything, they're better than me because they, they can put themselves in other people's shoes and write about something that hasn't happened to them because they understand that. For me, it's like, I can't, I can't write you a song about, uh, you know, uh, something that I've never been through myself. You know, I find it really difficult. So luckily for me, there's been so much happened in my life and still so much happening now. Yeah. That there are a million things to write about and a million things to sing about. And if anything, if, if my life is going great, then I can write about it going great. You know, I can write about my worries. I can write yeah. about my fears. If everything's perfect in my life. I can write about how I'm worried that it's going to be the opposite of that and yeah. vice versa. You know, awesome. it's going really bad. I can write about how I'm desperate for it to go well. Yeah. And, uh, and I think all that stuff, you know, leaving school earlier, I think um, traveling so much and going through really hard times and really good times. I think that's like, gives you even more experience and even more things to write about. And I've seen, you know, the ultimate luxuries in life. You know, I've been on, you know, million pound boats drinking, you know, Cristal. And I've been, you know, like on a bus every single night trying to find friends of mine's houses, you know, that I can crash in and all this stuff. Wow. And I've, 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 I've definitely experienced both sides. And that's also what makes it really easy yeah. to relate both those things. You know, I can, like I can say, I've got friends of mine who are living off the council, living in, you know, really rough areas of London. And I've got friends of mine who live in multi-million pound mansions. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you can see both and you can understand people better because you know that this guy's my best friend and this guy's my best friend as well. They're, you know, yeah. we're all we're all the same, but you see both, you see the troubles that comes with things like wealth. You know, you see that these, there are, it is, it can be really, people don't realize it. It's, people think it's so easy for people who have loads of money. Like I've seen friends of mine really struggle and you know psychologically you know mentally really really struggle and they've got all the money in the world and the other side i've got friends of mine that make nothing that have been through hell when they were kids you know brought up through the council system without parents and anything and yet they're happy as anything you know you see yeah. that and that's that helps a lot with songwriting and things sorry i've given you the longest answer in the world there. no no i appreciate i appreciate the detail because it, there is a lot that goes into it and and i wanted to ask because um, I read about, I'm, I'm fascinated by your story. So I wanted to start with kind of your path into music because it is, it is fascinating. It's fascinating about how travel and playing it at small venues in the Canary Islands and all these different things that you've done. But then I read about when you went back to London and you left the Canary Islands and were back in London and it was one of the low periods of your life. And you didn't have a penny to your name, I read in an interview. 
Um, just how low, what, what was that time? And how would you describe how you got yourself out of that? Yeah, it was pretty desperate. You know, it was, it was, um, you know, I'd kind of, I'd sold, I got rid of everything that I owned in the Canary Islands, you know, everything that I had built up, you know, I had a car, I had all that stuff. I had a really nice house and I got rid of everything. And then when I came to London, I was told that I needed to have, because I didn't have a bank account because I didn't have any credentials from the UK because I've been living abroad for so long. They told me that I needed to have six months rent uh, up front to rent pretty much anywhere. And that in London is like, well, in dollars, I don't know, probably like eight grand, $9,000 or something like that. So I gave everything that I had basically to Mm -hmm. rent somewhere so that I had a roof over my head. And, uh, and then, yeah, then it was really, it was really tough, man. It was really shit because, you know, I was, I remember, you know, in the supermarket, I had to be so careful with what I bought, you know, so tight on every single thing that I got. And, uh, and it was horrible. And then I started busking and I started, I didn't do as much busking in London as I did around the rest of the world because I was, because I wanted to get to this next level. The whole point of me coming to London was that I I thought I'm never going to try and do this. Now's the time to do it. Yeah. Um, Which is when I uh, developed (laughs) a very sneaky way of kind of getting myself into the industry, which was to pretend because I realized that no one was paying any attention to me when I was sending emails as myself and no one was caring about it. (laughs) So I set up my own, a talent agency, my own management company, my own everything. And then I would email and text and message from different phones and different email addresses, pretending to be a company saying, we have this artist. Would you like him to come and join this person on tour? And, uh, and it worked. It oh really worked. You're kidding. <laughs> it really worked. Um, I, ended up, I ended up having like, I mean, I ended up the winner of the Eurovision Song Contest. They actually uh-huh. booked me to support them on their whole European tour through a, a management company that was myself. No one else worked for them. It was just me. Yeah. Um, and then I even I even went on to like, I mean, I was playing shows all over Europe and I was having other bands and other, other singers who'd met me had gone and found out and looked on social media and found out that I was signed to this agency. They were emailing. I was getting emails every day going, would you consider signing us? We've just seen that you're working with this artist who's doing really well. We'd love you to listen to our stuff. And I was like, oh, I feel really bad now because I'm going to have to tell them like, sorry guys, like that's not possible. <laughs> that's amazing. I feel bad about it this day. You said you feel bad about it. Is that what you said? I feel bad about it still to this day, man, still. <laughs> um, have you told any of those people? No. No? <laughs> no. I, I might have told one, but no, I'm saying it now out loud. There are some people who will still, they might hear this and be like, shit. Yeah, that's why his company didn't sign us up because it wasn't a real company. This is one of the most amazing stories that I've come across. I, I pride myself in prepping really well for this interview, and I have never heard this story of yours. Oh, you wouldn't hear this story anywhere. You, this is an exclusive, I feel. Wow. <laughs> oh, well, well, I'm happy to have it. And so, so you, start, you start getting stuff. And when was it when you started releasing the stuff more wide than, than busking? You know what? That was my first song was, was um, when I moved to London, I signed to Operator Records. And um, I recorded a song called What You Do with uh, my now very close friend, Andy Hall Hall. Yeah. Uh, we recorded it in his bedroom in Forest Hill. We didn't record it in some, some you know, fancy 
two grand a day recording studio. We recorded it in his bedroom. Um, it felt totally natural, totally honest. I wrote the song in about 15 minutes um, while wow. I was in London. And, uh, and I think now in total across all platforms, it's done like 35 million streams or something like that. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's crazy. And so, so you talked about just how low the time was in London. And I read about that. And then I was amazed because your music took off quite quickly and your debut album has amassed over, I mean, amassed quickly over 60 million streams. Is it yeah. safe to say now that, because that, I know you worried about the, was this the right decision leaving what I had in the Canary Islands? Is it safe to say now that, that it was the right decision? And what has been a wow moment for you along the way? I think, you know, man, it's so difficult because like, I would love to just openly say it was the best decision ever. And now I've, you know, got this stop in this career. But, you know, at the same time, you know, life when I was traveling was was definitely a lot simpler and yeah. a lot easier and I had a lot more control not that I don't have an amazing record label that support me in every way it just um I think you do kind of like I certainly miss that freedom of not releasing of doing whatever I wanted to traveling whenever I want and now I do get I do get those nerves of like someone's going to hear all this stuff that I've written now and now when I release a track you know, like even just Rescue Me, which is the last song I released, like that one will get a quarter of a million streams really, really quickly. And that kind of yeah. makes me panic a little bit. It makes my anxiety kick off because I'm like, shit, like a quarter of a million times, like without doing anything, that's that's fast. And what if I've not, what if I've said the wrong things? And what if they misunderstand it? And what if they, you know, you worry about all these stupid things, which I shouldn't worry about at all. But yes, it is definitely, you know, well worth all of that, 100%. And the wow moment has to be probably when, um, I think probably Pink was my wow moment. You know what I mean? I think I, think I released, that was the second song I did was was the cover of her of her song, Don't Let Me Get Me. And, um, and yeah, I think she called up like within, I don't know, like seven days or something like that and just said, do you want to come and do you want to come and perform it with me? And I was like, Yes, I <laughs> and then uh, and then she asked me. She said, I, "I don't know who it was who brought it up or what happened, but basically, her support act either couldn't do it or there wasn't booked or something had happened." And yeah. she was just like, "You want to just come and play for half an hour before my show and then join me on stage?" <laughs> I think that was a bit of a wow. But I think my knees weren't a little bit weak then. I was a little bit like, "Holy shit!" Oh, that's incredible. That's such an incredible story. And I, I, I have to ask you busking so much and around the world have you ever heard back from someone that has saw you busking years ago and is now a big fan of your music 100 percent, really she's from the canaries yeah people tourists used to come by all the time and even like people when i used to busk in edinburgh like every now and again i get messages from people going like holy shit mate do you remember you and me had that really in-depth conversation when you were really drunk and playing guitar in the street and blah <laughs> and then i sat down beside you and i gave you a bottle of whiskey and we drank until like two in the morning that was me like i'm this guy and i always and i'm always just like holy shit you're that guy come to london let's have a drink let's go <laughs> That's amazing. It's cool. It's cool, the connection. And I love traveling and I love it for moments like that, where you just get a deep conversation with, with strangers is when you're open to the world, you open yourself up to a lot of different people and opportunities. And so I've loved reading your story. Amazing. Um, and so, so we talked about the, I wrote about the, I want to talk about your recent single rescue me. It's the one that I wrote about. 
Um, and you talked about some of the pressure with having so many streams so fast and, and wondering, did I say the right things and things like that. And so some of the, um, some of the lyrics on that cut deep in moments and it's moments of, of self-reflection for you and you're recognizing mistakes that you've made or other ways that, that you've been wrong. Um, what is it like to share, knowing that you're, it's going to be heard by so many people now, what is it like to share those, those kind of deep emotions? I think, yeah, like, like I said, it is scary. But I mean, I like to, like, I talk to fans quite a lot. Um, I have these little Zoom nights that I did, especially during lockdown, where I would have a drink with 50 fans and we would all just chat and I'd play a couple of songs, super chilled. And I think what I've realized now is that you can take, like, you can say something and it can be so obvious to you what you're saying. You can take a word that goes, Good God, I'm broken, I'm out chasing my mind. It's given time to help me see what I've lost, I'll never find. And you can say that. And to me, when I, when I say that, I know who I'm talking about. I know how I'm saying it. I know where I was when I felt it. I know all this stuff. But what I've realized talking to other people is that people relate music to themselves and their own stories and their own shit that they've got going on. So, so I can hear that and I can go, wow, you know, it takes me back to that time when I was standing in the middle of the road and I had the keys into this apartment in my hand and I threw them off to the bushes at the side of the road and then walked off and smashed the glass on my way out. Wow. You know, I can, it, it reminds me of that. Yeah. But I'm talking to other fans who are going, oh my God, when that song starts, I'm taken straight back to my living room where I was sat with my mom and I remember her looking at me and telling me that everything's going to be okay. And I'm just like, it blows my mind because everyone relates to shit so differently. Yeah. That you realize that it's, it's, it's okay to be honest in your songs and it's okay to be honest in your songwriting because everyone has their own like relation towards the song, their own, their own personal experiences that they then manifests inside that song. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, no. And that's fascinating to hear how it brings different things. And, and, and I, and it is very vulnerable. The feelings that, that you are, that you sing about the lyrics are very deep. And I wrote, I wrote down some about, um, that you said, and it's when you've been brought up by fire, the rain can last forever. I've seen too much, too young to know that there's salt in every weather. And these lyrics are very vulnerable. Have, have you always, I know you, you said you can't write about experience. You have a hard time writing about experiences that aren't your own, but has it always been where you've been so open and vulnerable with, with emotions like this? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I think it might have taken me a while. I think when I look back at my, uh, I wrote my first song when I was about 13. And when I like look back on the other stuff that I did, I don't think it was as honest. I think I was trying to like portray, you know, a bit like people do on social media now, which is why I kind of struggle with social media sometimes. It's because people just put this image forward of what they want it to be. They're like... I'm this person and I'm super cool and I'm always dressed awesome and I'm always doing cool things. So like, I think when I first started writing, I wanted it to more like I'm this person and this is who I am, you know, to, to someone that was in front of me rather than sitting back with no one in front of me going, no, 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 this is actually who you are and yeah. this is how you feel. And that's why I think my songs changed from being a lot more like, I think they used to be more like, I like, I love you. And if you love me, then that's awesome. Or like, she doesn't even know how great I am and how much I love her and blah, blah, blah. And all these songs that I'd write now, it's a lot more like, 
I'm pretty messed up and I kind of get why you might not love me. Or like, <laughs> I'm pretty, like, I've seen quite a lot now and that's made me change in a not so good way. And I kind of need help with that. Or like, you know, it's a lot more honest and it's a lot more like, again, just more, you know, true to, to I think who I am or who I'm becoming. But I think again, in like a year's time, will that change it might get even more open and even more i hope it does even more yeah. honest and even more open because it is difficult you know it's always harder to write about yourself than it is to write about others in general you know when you're talking about authors i know but they've always told me that and um and so yeah i think maybe even though now i think i'm being pretty honest you know in a year it might be even more honest and hopefully it'll just get to that point where I can no longer, you know, where it's all just 100%. I think the I think this whole album to me has felt really natural and really honest, you know, Good Life and all these other songs have been really like, I wrote Good Life, you know, when I'm feeling like everything is going super well right now, you know, and I wrote that song, but I also wrote Beyond Today, which is when I literally can't get out of bed because I'm crippled by like depression and anxiety and all this stuff. And I can't work out how to carry on, you know? Wow. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. And I appreciate it. And I always appreciate the openness. And those are the lyrics that that I love and draw me in. And I know that others are the same. And so Rescue Me, um, I, I read how it's how it one of the one of the articles that someone wrote said it's a perfect preview for what is to come with your second album. And so what are you most excited for about your second album for people to hear? And and what can listeners expect? I think it's going to be a lot more, um, such a difficult question. I think it's going to be very different than the first album in, especially this lockdown has really changed things for me Interesting. because what happened was like, I wrote a bunch of songs and I'm still writing. I I write a lot. I way too much. Really. I write way too much. (laughs) And, um, and what's happened is during this lockdown period, I've started doing my own production and I always co-produced everything. So I always did everything and, you know, together, but I didn't really have the technical know-how to sort of sit down by myself and do it. But when I, when it came to lockdown, I couldn't go to the studio. I had to kind of like learn how to do things myself. And I started producing some of the songs that I'd written already which I was going to take to the studio and start to do production on a bar and I've started producing it myself and I've kind of developed this I mean it's kind of a mixture of like Citizen Cope meets Frank Ocean wow. you know, type, with this weird sort of production quite uh, I'm using plugins that I've never used before I'm pitch shifting my voice to mimic harmonies that I already sung on top of those, which is quite a Frank Ocean-y thing to do. I'm uh, I'm using a lot more, I'm using hip hop snares and hip hop wow. um, subs and things like that. But I'm mixing that with some quite heavy songwriting, like Citizen Cope style writing, which I think yeah. is kind of a new, like a new vibe for me. And for the first time in a while, I'm like listening to these demos you know, I'm putting my headphones on, I'm going outside for a smoke and I'm listening to them going, I'm getting excited again. And I'm like, holy shit, like I'm so into that. And then when I hear something like a sub dropping, it reminds me of that. Like, do you know Denzel Curry, the rapper? Yes, yes, I love Denzel Curry. 
He's got that song like he's got a song called Ultimate, which is like which just starts for nothing. It's dum 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 dum. Then it cuts off and just goes. I am the one, the one you're calling the, the sun. And it's really intense. It's re- and like for the moment that plays, my whole body is just like, ah. Oh. <laughs> and I've started to work on how, what it is that creates that. And where I've written a song already, the song is done. And then I'm like, listening to the song and I'm like, you better run. And I'm starting to like develop that stuff. So I think that's one thing which I haven't done on the first album which people are going to see a lot more of uh, in the second album. Amazing. Wow. That sounds incredible. And I love that. I love the way that you describe it. I love Citizen Cope. That's my, that's one of my favorite all time live shows that I've been to is Citizen Cope. And so, so I'm excited to hear, hear what's coming with that. Is there, do you have a timetable on that? I don't want to put pressure. This is for me. I'll edit this out too. (laughs) No, no worries about that. I don't have a a time thing for the, uh, the album's come out. I'm definitely going to drop uh, two or three songs within the next month or two. I'm going to awesome. drop some new. Uh, I'm going to drop one that's more of like a poppy vibe, and I'm going to drop one which is exactly what I was just talking about. Saying I'd produced myself from home. Um, I've actually just sent it to a producer friend of mine called Ben Baptist. So I'm going to um, I'm going to send it over to him, and he's just going to have a little play with it and see what he thinks. Just because awesome. I feel like. Having new collaborations with other producers during lockdown is always really exciting and really cool. Awesome. Uh, yeah, Citizen Coke, man. We speak every now and again. We speak on uh, on Instagram. Really? He's That's just like, awesome. Yeah, he's the, he was actually the one who said to me, he was like, dude, like, get out and play Europe. Don't just play the UK. And I was like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. And then I messaged my booking agent. I was like, when can we do a Europe tour? And he was like, probably now. And so we did a European tour. And so I was like, thank wow. you for the advice. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, and so, so James, I have five questions that I ask to close every interview. Um, number one is if you had to have a breakfast food, if you had to have breakfast food, lunch food, or dinner food, exclusively just that meal group, which meal would you choose for every meal? Which meal would you choose? Okay. So I have to choose one breakfast, one lunch, and one dinner. No, no, no. Either just breakfast food, like you can't okay. have any of the lunch foods. Oh, yeah, or... yeah, okay. It would be it would be dinner, man. It would be what dinner. Is, is there yeah, a meal that you can't live without? You know, I love, yeah, I love my like breakfasts and I love lunches and I love it, especially when it's sunny and you can go sit outside with a bottle of wine. But <laughs> dinner for me is my thing, like a bottle of red wine, some good food, some good meat or some good fish, and like and sitting there chatting shit until late at night, man. Dinner is my thing. I could I could sleep through breakfast. I could play <laughs> through lunch, but I need a break for dinner. <laughs> I love that so much. Um, number two is your go-to karaoke song. <laughs> um, okay. Normally, it would be really, really cheesy. And it would be, I would deliberately choose something. I would choose R. Kelly. Like, I believe I can fly. <laughs> it's like, I just love doing that stuff. Yeah. Like, and because it's the ultimate cheesy karaoke song, it's totally. a bit like Don't Believe Do you know what I mean? It's like, no, I would go old school. I'd go R. Kelly, um, I Believe I Could Fly. Although the last time I did carry out a video, uh, a visualizer for Good Life, and I like I, instead of the, I didn't have any budget from the record label or anything. Like we weren't going to release any sort of music video, so I woke up and I got these glasses that have a camera in them, 
and I just pressed record. I went for a shower, I grabbed my skateboard, I went to the bus, I got on a bus down to Brighton, and I spent the whole day playing arcades, going out into a bar by myself, getting drunk, and then I stumbled across a karaoke bar. I did karaoke by myself, drank a tequila all night, and I filmed the whole thing and turned it into a visualizer. Wow. And then in that karaoke bar, I did loads of modern stuff. I didn't realize that like Tom Walker and people were on karaoke. I was like, this is awesome. I'm gonna sing yeah. like JP Sachs and shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, what was the song you said that you did modern stuff like Tom Walker and JP Sachs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did Tom. I did Tom Walker. I did. Um, I can't remember which song it was now. I think it was the. Um, is it the Let's Get Drunk? Throw myself from That one. Yeah, yeah. Um, number three is a guilty pleasure that you have while you're touring. Nintendo Switch. The Nintendo Switch. <laughs> is there a game on it? <laughs> I know. I know like musicians aren't meant to be like proper gamer heads, but man, when you give me the chance, I will be the biggest video geek that you know. Like I will play. I've got like in my house, I've got an Xbox. I've got a PlayStation. I've got the old Nintendo. I've got like the Nintendo Switch. But man, I tell you when you're on tour, like I'm like, I am artisty in that way that I do have like a nice leather journal thing where I write down song lyrics and stuff. But when I want to escape or when it's late at night and people are making noise and I want to disappear, Nintendo Switch, Give me some Zelda. Give me some Mario Kart. Give me some it. Fortnite. Just give me the whole lot, man. Guilty pleasure. Man, amazing, amazing. That's the first time I've heard that, so I appreciate that. Um, number four is one band that's not currently together that you'd love to have one more EP from. Ah, oh, man, my boys, Livingston. You probably, okay. are you, I don't know if you know them or not, but I toured the whole of South Africa in a in a taxi with. Uh, with this rock band that were half South African, half German, half English. Uh, they were just a wow. mixture of everything. And, um, and they were just the, they were like brothers to me. They were just like, uh, we still speak amazing. now. And uh, we had the most amazing life-changing few weeks together in this, uh, you know, playing shows every night across South Africa, Cape Town, everywhere. Wow. And um, it was so moving and we had so many big ups and fights and arguments and everyone loves each other so much. And then sadly, just because the band were, you know, all in Berlin and in London and in, you know, everywhere, they, they don't live in South Africa anymore, but two of them are from South Africa. Yeah. And I think it just got too complicated for them. So they broke up. I think they are now, there is now another Livingston who, uh, who are most of the band minus the lead guitarist and maybe minus the drummer. I don't know what's okay. happened there. But yeah, they are one band. I mean, I did. I, I supported them when they did their DVD launch. I toured with them twice, wow. Germany and in South Africa. And uh, yeah, certainly if they ever did a comeback tour, even if I was like Ed Sheeran famous, and if these guys were doing a comeback show for a thousand people, I would be their support act in a heartbeat. That's Great amazing. guys. Great. And also, wow. man, also one, of those, one of those albums where you can put it on, you know, that everyone talks about, that cliche album where you can put it on on the first track. And you don't skip a single one. You just wow. go through every track. The guitar is phenomenal. The singing, the songwriting, the production, the whole thing. Livingston, check them out. They're oh, yeah. No, that's the first thing I'm going to do. Um, and thank you. Yeah, that sounds really, really good. Listen, listen to chemicals. 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 Okay, perfect. I, I put any recommendations that an artist makes into, into their own Spotify playlist. So I'm excited to add that as well. So, so thank you. And then... No, last question number five is an who's an interesting guest that you would recommend I have on the road trip playlist podcast 
Okay, if you can get this guy, I would be super impressed because I'm trying to get hold of him and I can't, all right? <laughs> so if you get this guy, I'm not only going to be angry at you, but I'm also going to be like, I'm going to be watching this live and I expect you to tell him that I'm desperate to work with him. It's an Austrian producer, DJ rapper okay. called Left Boy. Left what? Left Boy. L-E-F-T space B-O-Y. Okay. This guy, literally, like, he released stuff, then he disappeared and no one could find him at all. And then he came back and he did, like, a tour. And then he kind of disappears again. He's He looks and sounds like he's absolutely mental. And I absolutely adore everything wow. he does. And yeah. I'm desperate to work with him. So I would, if, if I saw an interview, and I haven't seen any interviews with him yet either, I don't think. So if you can, if you can do that, I'm expecting a phone call from you and you let me know because this guy's a genius. <laughs> Definitely. I appreciate that. So I will do my best. Do you think, uh, do you still have access to the, to the talent agency? Maybe I could use your old emails. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even think my I don't even think my current agents could get a hold of this guy let alone my let alone my pretend one but I like your style though <laughs> oh, I love that well this has been one of my favorite interviews I've ever done you've been really fun James thank you for thank you for your answers thank you for your music and and yeah I really appreciate that exclusive story <laughs> not at all man thank you so much for having me on let's do it again soon yeah, I'd love to talk to you soon. Thank you, James, so much. I, I'm looking forward to the new music. Thank you so much, man. See you soon, brother. You too. Have a good one. Thank you again for listening to the Road Trip Playlist podcast. I hope you enjoyed my interview with James Gillespie. If you enjoyed it, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review to the Road Trip Playlist podcast. Stay tuned next week for another great interview with Cody Lavas coming on Wednesday.